Hey everybody, you've reached the Mayfair Podcast. I'm Eric. I'm Lee. And this is Josh. <laughs> oh, so professional. It sounded like you were looking at a cue card. <laughs> I believe I was Lee. Little known fact, we have a cue card person off of our virtual it's, camera it's here. It's just yeah. Andrew. It's all scripted. It's 100% scripted. Man. It is Tuesday, September 28th. So close to Halloween Jeez. month, is which it? is all that matters. God damn. Last year, did track. we completely miss Halloween month because of stupid COVID? Yeah, I seen that. So programming. Yes, I felt uneasy coming into October because basically I have most of October all programmed yeah. out. I mostly laid out. We just haven't announced the exact lineup, and so it's weird. I'm working almost a month ahead of time. Program. I usually try to do it week to week, so we right. bring in newer movies. And I remember this time last year, I think two of the three times we closed, I was working God. a month ahead of time, and that's. When we close, and I'm like, shit, now I have to undo the Everything. bookings. Yeah. And I feel like, uh-oh, am I cursing us by going <laughs> no. so far in advance? So, yeah, I think it was around that time. Uh, I don't think we had a screening on Halloween. No. Oh, no, for sure didn't. No. It's, it was, all, it's such a blur. Like, it both seems like we have just lived like this forever, even though it's still so new, this new world we're in. But also, I'm just like... Had this like false memory that we were wearing masks and social distancing in high school. Like I don't know. It's just, it's just like this is everything now. It's weird that we haven't seen it in movies yet, though. There hasn't been yeah. a scene in a movie, or I don't even know on television, where people are wearing masks talking to each other. You see it on news clips, yeah. But it hasn't. It's not real for me until I see it. In they have snuck it in on the last few episodes of Brooklyn Nine Nine. There was cops with masks on and stuff like that. So, so that snuck it in. I read a thing about Marvel Comics was talking about, do we just not put it in or put it in? Because often comic books will will have real world stuff, like whether it's 9-11 or characters referencing World War II or presidents. But it seems like this, they're just kind of skipping over and being like, no, let's not have COVID in the Marvel Universe. Yeah. It's a little much. I was watching uh, The Morning Show yesterday, the show The Morning Show, and they referenced it on that. And now I'm like, you're a year behind on this. Come on. I already know about COVID. Yeah, I think maybe we'll see it after it's all over with. Yeah. Like on 9-11, you didn't see movies about 9-11, so it was <laughs> over right too away. soon. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been neat. Yeah, Mark Wahlberg wasn't ready yet. <laughs> like, it'll be good. In our neighborhood, we have a football field and Lansdowne, whatever, the, the Lansdowne space right nearby. We're still in this weird space because we're all following the rules and social distancing and wearing masks in the cinema and all that kind of stuff. But then I saw a photo of... I think it was Blues Fest a couple days ago mm-hmm. at Lansdowne. Yeah. Exterior, but nonetheless. And it's this photo of, you know, it's an optical illusion, but looks like 20,000 people standing <laughs> shoulder to shoulder. And it's as if the photographer's sitting on the stage and everyone in the crowd, some have masks on, mm-hmm. are screaming and yelling and singing. And I see that and I, I'm just like, oh, wow, are we there now? Are we like... Are we Texas? Yeah. Yeah. That's, when do we do the room? 
Oh, oh my god. god! You sound like everybody else who loves <laughs> yeah, the really? room. They're like, no, are, I, I, are, we, I, I, are we back yet? Are I we back? I don't mean to say that, but it will, it, that normal will be closer when we can screw the room again. I, yeah, and we might want to think about it soon because Greg Sestero's on his way. What? Again. Oh god, today? With it, well, with this new movie on his way, meaning I think originally he said October to me, but most oh, wow. likely now maybe maybe November, December, or into the winter. Damn. But he wants to come with his new movie, which is really exciting. It looks really good. Mm-hmm. So he directed a horror movie. Oh, yeah. jeez, yeah, he was talking about that because. He was like he saw Midsummer and he was really inspired. Well, not even know if it was inspired by that, but he was like really psyched about making a horror movie. Yeah, as was I. And Home Alone. Yeah, also yeah. Home Alone. <laughs> but no, yeah, he he directed this movie. He's been doing festival. He's doing the festival circuit now, and oh, wow. he's going all over the United States. He went. He took pictures for me. He was at Galaxy's Edge and he was taking pictures oh, by the Falcon. I told him to go. I, un- yeah. I unfollowed him. <laughs> yeah, like too much, man. <laughs> But if he comes, then we should probably yeah. try the room. I but feel like you but can, can we it. do it until people like Rocky Horror? Theoretically, our push is saying no dancing in the aisles, yeah. none of that stuff. And people seem to be on board. I just got off the phone with a young lady, and she was like, "Okay, yeah, I get it. That makes sense." Are you trying to say that crossdressers are more sophisticated audience mm, than those yes. who come yes, to the I room? Do. Yes, <laughs> probably. Yeah, because the room, and I've said this before, but Rocky Horror has really good music. Has Tim Curry. And I think even without the spectacle, you can kind of watch it and still laugh along and clap yeah. at the end of a song and, and just watch it. It's still an experience. Mm-hmm. But the room, does anybody want to do the room without throwing things? And Yeah, you know? you'd have to do a no spoon policy, I think, for COVID because it's just like you're having what, 100 people or 80 people touch all this stuff and throw it and other people <laughs> touch it. I don't know. We should maybe make it a virgin screenings only. So if you've never seen The Room before, come see it at the Mayfair. Yeah. If you've seen it already, stay home because yeah. we don't want you throwing around Yeah, just pretend it's what year did The Room come out. Pretend oh, it's 15 years ago yeah. and you're at that first screening in Hollywood so there's no mocking yet. There's yeah, no yeah. whatever. No but, laughing, no enjoyment. Yeah. My, my parents came and watched it. And they finally broke down. They heard about it so much. They, they thought it was quite good. Yeah. <laughs> Did you not laugh? Like, no, it was good. It was good drama. They, yeah. like, they, <laughs> my parents were Tommy Wiseau's ideal audience. Exactly how he wanted to reach out to people. Like, there just, is a lot of drama in it. They're not wrong. <laughs> you know, at the time, I think my parents were watching a lot of Hallmark movies. So it just oh, seemed, seemed pretty on par, I guess, maybe. Oh, man. I want Tommy Wiseau <laughs> to direct a Hallmark movie. Oh, man. I mean, it <laughs> kind of already is, I mean, in a way. But So do you want to hear a scoop? Yes, I do. So oh. the, I, the, this will be news maybe this week. And I don't know. We're not live, are we? <laughs> no, <laughs> I, I hope not. So by the time you get this on, on, on the a couple uh, days, internet, a day now. Yeah. so um, Mel Gibson's back in Ottawa making a movie. Oh, no. Oh. Fat Man 2? No. Okay. He's filming in, he was filming in the Parliament Hill this morning. Oh, my God. Line producers are at Chez Le Cien looking for a place to shoot. I don't know if they're going to choose Shayla Sien, but they were there because when they were making Fat Man, Mel Gibson went to Shayla Sien and had a, had a beverage and really liked the place. Oh and now that he's, I guess maybe he sent someone over to say maybe if they can shoot there. So I'll tell you the movie and I'll tell you a little bit more about yeah. the story. Yeah. The movie's called Bandit. Okay, okay. And it's, it's based on a true story. After escaping Michigan prison, a daring career criminal assumes a new identity in Canada <laughs> and goes on to rob a record... 59 banks and jewelry stores while being hunted by a rogue task force based on the true story of the Flying Bandit. So it's like it's shot a lot, I guess, in Michigan and a lot around Toronto. But he, Mel Gibson 
found his way to Ottawa. It stars Alicia Cuthbert. Oh, Canadian. Mel, yeah, Mel Gibson. And most excitingly, I think, and this woman was on Parliament Hill this morning, Olivia Di- Diabo. Oh, yeah. yeah who yeah. is Luminati on, uh, in the prequels. She's right. on the, she sits on the Jedi Council. And that's thrilling, more thrilling to me than Mad Max. <laughs> oh, she's, yeah. she's also in Rise of Skywalker. She's one of the voices Ray hears at the end of the movie when she's looking up at the stars and she's trying to reach out to all their dead Jedis. And she stands up and she says, I am all the Jedi. She's referring to someone, one of the people who are now in Ottawa. They can move out of Parliament Hill with Mel Gibson. You know, and so now there's a lot of rumbling. There's a lot of, what I'm about to say is not, it's not, not uh, canon. Not, <laughs> it's not like official or anything like that, but apparently Mel Gibson really liked his time in Ottawa. You know, he, we, there was pictures of him going to see the Ottawa Senators. Is that yeah, the hockey team? I think so, yeah. And <laughs> Is that a thing? Apparently, he really connected with the church community here in Ottawa. Weird. And he likes it so much, there's rumor that he might start a production company oh, and, and, and be invest in one of the studios that, that we made in Ottawa and make a home in Ottawa and make movies, like, you know, start producing Man. movies in Ottawa, Mel Gibson. That's rumbling. I, I don't want to tell my sources. I'll tell you when we turn off the sure, microphones. Sure. But He's trying to take your bar, though. Like, the only one director is allowed to have Shea Lucien. That's you. Oh, right. Yes. <laughs> like, come on. Well, I, well, I'm waiting to hear back from him. <laughs> yeah. No, anyway, it's, it's exciting. I mean, it'd be a big game changer for Ottawa if Mel Gibson oh, did yeah. find his production company here. And Ottawa seems the place where a lot of people shunned in Hollywood come to hide. <laughs> I was just, just going to say, like, huh. not to be glass half empty, yeah. but I'm like, man, if it could be anyone but Mel Gibson. Yeah. I hope Mel is not listening right now. But it's, it's like, like oh. O.J. Simpson's coming to yeah. make him a yeah. Bill Cosby shooting a new comedy in, yeah, yeah. in Ottawa. My Jewish wife is really excited about this news <laughs> there is a producer in ottawa who's been making movies here for since the 90s i think and uh, i don't want to say his or her name <laughs> right but this is a person who couldn't get movies made in toronto because of a certain reputation in montreal mm-hmm. too and found uh, him or herself in ottawa where you know there is no industry and people are starving for work I don't know. Ottawa is, is where <laughs> it must be attractive to a lot of these people. I mean, I, you know, I, I believe in forgiveness. And I think that people can. It's how you uh, come on the other side of all these problems you're having. Uh, you know, maybe Mel Gibson's a wonderful person. I certainly like his movies. Yeah. But yeah. But, you know, it's, it's, it is kind of funny. Think about it in terms of how why he's famous again you know the, right the things he said on the phone and, and, that was yeah, just, and then it wasn't just madness. like you know i love james gunn and james gunn got in trouble a while back because of things he said on the internet and he handled it so well like he basically yeah. came out and was like i understand i'm sorry i take this being laid off from the franchise everything and he said i was in a different place then and i'm sober now whatever all this kind of stuff and he moved on but that was like a one mistake. Whereas Mel had like, okay, this is the ninth time, Mel. Yeah. <laughs> like, like pretty vicious stuff too. Like the gun yeah. stuff, it's like he came from trauma. So like anyone familiar with his career is like, you know, yeah, he has a sick sense of humor. It's just kind of who yeah. he is. And you could tell, well, I mean, at least to me anyway, you could tell a lot of that stuff was just silly over the top right. jokes, you know? I yeah. mean, not something I would post, but it tra- Trauma did have a lot to do with it. Because trauma, I mean, it was all in good fun. But mm-hmm. trauma does like to walk that line yeah, of good sure. taste and bad taste and the fans love it yeah and you're kind of encouraged to do it and when you hire that guy to direct a <laughs> disney movie then it's like oh yeah maybe he does have something in his past but the mel gibson thing is fascinating to me because it always makes me think like mel at his prime was mr nice guy great publicity the cast and crews loved him the, the journalists throb. loved him everything yeah. and it always just makes me think who is on a pedestal now in 20 years is going to drop the ball 
and and it could be somebody completely unexpected. Even you know somebody much younger like Shia LaBeouf when he started, he yeah. was you know he was the next guy. Like yeah. he, like he should have been where he is now. He's still doing some independent stuff that's really good. Yeah, yeah. But he's... you look at his path of like, oh Spielberg put him in some stuff, and then he's in Indiana Jones, and then he's starring in Transformers. And I always think, who's the person now who in 20 years we're going to be like, uh-oh, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, you don't know. It's sometimes movies date themselves, too. Like when Blazing Saddles came out, it was so championed. Right. And now I don't think we could get away showing Blazing Saddles. No. Well, that was setting a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And I wonder, and I think to myself, do any of my movies have something right. like that in it? <laughs> yeah. And now it seems that in Jesus Christ Vampire, it ends with Jesus goosing Glory Oddbottom. Right. And it keeps coming up. And it's like, oh, geez, do I have to cut that out oh now? My God. There's a character named Gloria Oddbottom, and we made a big foam butt for her. And <laughs> Phil never put his hands on anyone's butt, <laughs> but he gooses Gloria Oddbottom. Oh, and that's how the movie ends. And uh, no one said, oh, that's so awfully, and how could you? But it's, it keeps coming up like it's a thing that people notice now because the way the climate is. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I listened to Sarah Silverman's podcast. I really love Sarah Silverman. And a teenager phoned into her just crestfallen because saw some stand-up comedy from Sarah Uh, 20 years ago, like from actually 20 years ago. And this poor girl who called in, it was like her family just died. Like you could tell how sad she was because Sarah said a bunch of bad words, but, but Sarah's stand-up character is kind of, you know, she's, she's the adorable, funny Jewish girl who says awful things. Yeah. And I think when she got hired to be a voice in Wreck-It Ralph, I always think about that. Like when James Gunn got taken out, was she like, uh-oh, I'm not coming back for Wreck-It Ralph 3. But she said to this young lady, and she was, and Sarah's great at this kind of critique. And she said, yeah, I said a lot of offensive things 20 years ago and 10 years ago and probably six months ago. Mm-hmm. And she said, comedy's not evergreen. And a lot of times stuff in the moment, you laugh at it. And she goes, I look back on some things and go, I would never say that now. And I hope you judge me on the person I am now versus then. But it's horrible to bring up the, it was a different time. But also, if somebody says an offensive joke and 20 years later, they've done all kinds of good stuff for society and the community and their friends, then you're like, okay, they made a mistake. If it's like, you know, a Cosby, (laughs) that's a little different. But yeah, it's tough with film because there's. He's stuff. not bouncing back from that. No, no. he thought he was though. He's like, yeah, he's trying to book a tour. I'm like, man, read the room, like read the yeah, planet. He you is? Know? Like, really? Yeah, he yeah. was. I think he canceled it. Like right after he got let out, he was like, okay, planning a comedy tour. I'm like, I, I don't know how that's gonna go, man. <laughs> the person who, who shot Ronald Reagan is being freed. That's that. oh wow. <laughs> and and I like that story because it's that person saw a taxi driver and thought, if I shoot the president of the United States, Jodie Foster will fall in love with me. I think that's where it came from, right? I the think back, so, yeah. yes. Yeah. So maybe they should make Taxi Driver 2 now because he's a loose. <laughs> Now's the time. <laughs> maybe you could make it. <laughs> was Mel Gibson in Taxi Driver? No. No. Was, he could be in Taxi Robert Driver 2. You know, it's shot in Ottawa. <laughs> that's a really good idea. I, that's a really good idea. <laughs> yeah, I could actually see it. He, he, Uber Driver. Yeah, he plays crazy so well. So, And that's uh, not even acting. You brought up Trauma, which reminded me of something. So do you remember Zola? Yes. Which I think is like... The movie of the year for me so far. I love. Oh yeah, I love Zola. I, I like it too. Yeah, it's the Florida Project of this year. Uh, nothing like Florida Project, but there's something you know indie American about it. And anyway, so Taylor Page is one of the two girls in the movie. Okay, and I was at a certain store. I'm not going to say what store. I, wanna, <laughs> I love and the I, secrecy. <laughs> and I bought a Blu-ray of okay. Zola. I was really excited to find. Oh great! Because so, I, I came to see it twice here. Yeah, love Zola. 
It's nice to have the Blu-ray. And I turned around, Taylor Page, it says, you know, what some of the actors are famous for. The other girl is in Mad Max Fury Road, which mm-hmm. I don't remember her being in, but I believe it. But Taylor Page, it says on the back here, uh, you know her from The Toxic Avenger. Wow, like the newest I one? I guess that's what it's referring to. I guess she's going to star in the remake that huh. hasn't been shot yet, but it's on the back of this Blu-ray box. Yeah. That's weird. Yeah. That's so, At I'm, one point, Arnold Schwarzenegger was going to star in it. Yeah, and well, and the cast is amazing. Like the, the yeah. people I get to get, and I like making Blair a lot. Like he's a really good director, so I don't. I, I actually think like that could be really good. Yeah, but yeah. it's so it's such a line because so many people are going to be like, oh, it's not as you know ridiculous as the old one, or it's not this or that. It's too Hollywood. Like it's not even shot yet, and it's already people are yeah. dismissing it. But I think it actually could be really yeah. interesting, like really meta. Yeah, yeah. I think it's also one of those movies that probably 90% of the people going to it will not have seen the source material. Yeah. Probably. I thought it was funny going to the store I went to. Which <laughs> Wherever that may be. And seeing Lloyd Kaufman's movie mentioned in the back of something I bought yeah. from the store. It's kind of like going to the mall and buying porno. Yeah. <laughs> it shouldn't be here, but here it is. Like, may as well buy it if I'm here, wherever this is. I say that because I went to Sunrise once and bought an Emmanuel movie on the shelf. And... <laughs> It's a rough movie, and I bought a Blu-ray in the mall that is rated X somewhere in the world. Stuff like that <laughs> slips through every once in a while. Like this is years ago, but I remember various bands getting in trouble for swearing, whether it was like Green Day or Avril Lavigne, and there was this news of them being banned at the chain stores and whatever. And then you walk through one, and there's like a Saw movie sitting on the shelf, and you're like, wait a minute, so Avril Lavigne can't swear, but you're allowed to have torture porn in your store? Like... There's always that weird line of like, yeah. I think stuff just slips through. They don't realize it's as offensive. They're like, oh, saw, sure, we'll buy 10. Yeah, or even the books. Like when they start carrying books, you're like, well, you're carrying like horror books and really intense, like Stephen King type oh, stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like that's a lot worse than <laughs> what a kid could see. When I worked at West Coast Video, well, just actually just before I started working at West Coast Video, every kid I knew in high school wanted to watch Faces of Death. And if you saw Faces of Death, you'd brag about yeah, facing Faces of Death. And I started working at the video store there was a location on Innis Road that had Faces of Death 1, 2, 3, and 4. Jeez. And then at one point we had to take it off the shelf. And I remember Video Solutions, which just used to be behind the train yards, I think, which was just now the train yards. Okay, so yeah, Somewhere yeah, yeah. around there. They were asking video store owners to bring back Faces of Death. And I went there one day and there was a pile of them. And they were just, they were destroying them. Yeah. They were burning them, I think. Wow. And because it all of a sudden That's became abandoned in so Ontario weird. somehow. But now... You can go to Sunrise and order Faces of Death on Blu-ray. What? Man. <laughs> I've always been confused by those. Are they just compilations of news footage of horrible things happening? Like or... some real, some fake. Basically. Yeah, there's some. Yeah, like what Eric said. A lot of it, a lot, all the stuff in the morgue is real. Right. So you see morgue footage and you can't fake that stuff. But most of it is faked and it's a lot of it's really fun to watch if you know it's fake it's a funny little film that's I love cool that music. it's fake so it's essentially like Blair Witch style like it tricked many many people into thinking yeah, oh, it was uh, everyone when I was a kid and that movie came out we all thought it was real yeah and we were watching it with shock and awe and there was another one called Shocking Asia and Shocking Asia was something you can find in almost every video store they were pulling Faces of Death off the shelf and yeah. when you couldn't rent Faces of Death anymore everyone went to Shocking Asia <laughs> and Shocking Asia is just like Faces of Death but set in Asia. Right. Okay. So it's much worse. <laughs> and it ends with a, a sex change operation that's really graphic. And that's, that's what kept you up at night. God damn. <laughs> it's really graphic. And I still have a VHS copy of Faces of Death of 2 course. and Shocking Asia at home. And Traces of Death probably as well. Not Traces of Death. Traces no. of Death I never saw on the shelves. I know that is, that's a thing. Yeah. But I never saw Traces of Death anywhere on the video store. I, one, two, three, four. 
as the face of death movies get bigger, like I think four and five are just the best of part mm-hmm. one, two, and three. But faces of the, death, or the worst of, depending on your point of view. I, guess. <laughs> I like the score of faces of death. I think it's really funny. Sometimes when I hear my basement fridge having a hard time keeping things <laughs> cold, I think of the score of faces oh of death. Sometimes in the basement, I hear. Like, yeah, it's faces of death. It's so suspicious. They sounded like like a Wookiee with diarrhea or something. Like that doesn't sound great. That probably happens. You just yeah. don't see it in Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. It's good you have faces of death. It's just like something to put on in the background during Christmas dinner. Just like... I would love to show it here at Saturday Night Cinema. I would love the brag the bragging rights of saying I've seen it on the big screen. I don't know if Faces of Death ever screened theatrically. Maybe it did because there's a Blu-ray and I think it is struck from a 35 millimeter print. Did yeah. they ever play in Canada? I don't know if it ever played at the town or the Rialto, one of those theaters back in the day. It just was a video store no-no. Mm-hmm. You know, there's porno sections, but behind the porno section, underneath the there was Faces of Death. That's yeah. the real thing you should stay away. It felt like snuff, but it wasn't because it's all fake. Yeah. It? Except for the Morg stuff. The Morg stuff's real. I think there's stuff on the Autobahn that's real. Yeah, or that terrible movie Snuff that just was garbage and they tacked on that shitty ending scene where they're like, oh, it's a real death scene. You're like, this is awful. <laughs> yeah, Manuel movies. There's two Manuel movies that have that where Manuel watches a Snuff movie and then she goes out and solves the crime. Emmanuel in America is one of them. And and a lot of people on the internet say that snuff film she watches in the movie is real, but it isn't. Yeah. I mean, it, you can go buy like that on Blu-ray. Yeah, or of course. They're odds and sods. <laughs> But you made me think about, what did you say about the, um, in Faces of Death? The Audubon. Yeah. I didn't know about the Audubon until I watched Faces of Death. Everything I know about the Audubon, I learned from Faces of Death. Jeez, you know, it was, you know, that Hitler created yeah, yeah. I'm going to bar something. You know, Hitler invented the Audubon. That's, and, that's a good history lesson right there. And I think to myself, I only know that because of Faces of Death. Every kid should have the Blu-ray of Faces of Death. <laughs> Learning experience. It's just wild that it exists. This is always my favorite thing to do. This is the perfect segue into talking about our movies from <laughs> October 1st through October We're not playing 7th. Faces of Death, are we? <laughs> yeah. we no, it's, it's more funny because it's a segue from Faces of Death to the nice British romantic comedy <laughs> Falling for Figaro. Oh, yeah. Very similar films. <laughs> Same director. Yeah. I love these segues. But Falling for Figaro is a kind of that almost cliche British thing of like, blue collar mixed with upper class or like a small town doing something weird whether it's uh like a full monty full monty yeah. or brassed off or all these kind of movies but this one has joanna lumley in it who has won a thousand bafta awards for absolutely fabulous mm. and i'm a big british fan and for some reason i've never seen abfab it's no. on my list i got to see it sooner or you're later. even short forming it and you've never seen it i even know what the abbreviation is yeah <laughs> And there's but, movies too, right? They made at least one. Or, I think so, yeah. yeah. So, And it's one of those things, an example of it's not actually a small world, it's a big world because over there, Abfab is the biggest comedy thing of all time. And in North America, it's kind of like, oh, you might know about it if your grandma watched it on PBS or something, you know? One of two, I think these are both Ottawa premieres, right? Falling Figaro. And the other one is Flag Day, the new Sean Penn drama. Mm. His daughter is so good in that movie. That's what everyone says. Like, it's clearly nepotism, but she did a really good job. I don't think she... I, I saw it. She doesn't come into the around the second act of the movie. His daughter's played by different actresses throughout. Oh, right, yeah. But she comes in around the second act, and as soon as you see her, I was like, you know, sit up in a chair. She's fantastic. She's wonderful in that movie. Not her first film. Right. But, uh, yeah, he directs the hell out of his daughter. And I saw them on a talk show talking about them performing together. It was really sweet. Hmm. Yeah, I saw them on Colbert, and, and I guess... He directs her in some pretty heavy stuff, and like that's hard anytime on a movie set. 
but when you're the father and you're yeah. directing your daughter through a really heavy scene, so made me think of Dario Argento. And <laughs> oh yeah, you were just talking about that. Last that all week. turned out fine. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Poor Anthony Bourdain. Yeah, that's um, a whole other kettle of fish. And John Penn is in the new Paul Thomas Anderson. I thought he was. Oh, yeah, I can't really wait for yeah, that yeah. one. It looks got it's yeah. got like almost famous vibes a little bit. And it's got Hoffman Jr. in it as well. Oh. And there is a couple, yeah, like yeah. Uh, like offspring in there. <laughs> and it's, it's like something everyone's like his offspring. Yeah, yeah, right. Jeez. But that's a movie that it's funny because people are like, "Are you guys getting that?" And we're like, "Well, oh God, we of course have heard of the new P.T. Anderson <laughs> movie." To win an Oscar, so we get you know, it. <laughs> it's it's on the radar. So yeah, Falling for Figaro, Flag Day are our two new films this week. I didn't like the title for Flag Day before I saw the movie. Then I really liked the title for Flag Day when I saw the movie. Oh, what a twist. Yeah, because it sounds like a documentary or something if you just heard the title. But then it's a like, Flag Day's not a thing here. I guess that's why I was underwhelmed by the title. But right, I guess yeah. in the United States, for some people, Flag Day is a really big thing. Turns out he's born on Flag Day. Mm. So Sean Penn plays a character who was born on Flag Day. So every day on his birthday, the whole... Gets a, he gets a party. Gets together, and he feels like everyone's partying for his birthday. And it's kind of again, there's that word "sweet," but a sweet way of how he looks at the day from well, a very nice. a troubled man, a very troubled man. And he plays that very troubled man very, very well. That's that's pen for you. Yeah, well, he's, <laughs> and he he's a good director. Indian Runner, I think it was his first feature film oh, yeah, he directed, yeah. and that that was great. And I love you... the Pledge with Jack Nicholson. Oh, that is a good movie. Yeah. Like nobody yeah. talks about it's that. It's one that. of Jack Nicholson's best. One of Hans yeah. Zimmer's best scores. Yeah, that, it's yeah, such a gut punch ending to that movie. Like, not yeah. not to spoil anything, but it's just like that movie stuck with me ever since it came out, and nobody ever talks about yeah, it. It's great. Yeah, and it's great because Sean Penn directed it. I mean, really, it's it shouldn't have been made in a way, or or maybe if it got made, it would never look like that. Mm-hmm. It's very. I don't know if Penn has a voice yet as a filmmaker, but it is something that seems uniquely yeah. to a director's vision. And here's another one, Flag Day. I think when Sean Penn directs a movie, it's important. It's almost as important as anything that David Lynch movie. Sean Penn will be in movies for the rest of his life. But when he directs a movie, we have to stand up, or in this case, sit down and go watch Take it. Notice. Yeah, at the Mayfair <laughs> Theater. Sit down and notice. <laughs> <laughs> sit down and notice. That sounds, that sounds something good. That's it. We, could, we, can, we should use that as a hashtag. <laughs> it writes itself. Let's meet after this yes, yeah, yeah, podcast. Yeah, figure perfect. Out use it. Figure out the merch. Talk about that story you went to. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> So then our two classic films this week. One is The Blues Brothers. Mm. Never heard of it. Never heard of oh, it. It's such a good movie. It is. It's, it's one of the best car chase movies ever made. And it, it sounds so good in a cinema. Just the music's so great. You feel like you're at a concert for half the movie. Steven Spielberg's in it. Yeah. I like yeah. his little cameo. Can oh, I help such you? A good movie. <laughs> He's eating the sandwich. Yeah. Man, his cameo in Austin Powers 3 is really good too. I know oh, that's a weird shout no, out, but it like, is. It it's is. Just so, that's one of my With favorite Tom bits. Cruise, him yeah, and Tom yeah. Cruise, yeah. That opening five minutes is just. I saw that yeah. twice in theaters and people just lost it both times. And then it dies. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, but the, the, that scene, though. Yeah, that scene's great. <laughs> and then our final film this week is the original Evil Dead, screening oh, yeah. for its 40th anniversary. Man. And we will have the complete trilogy throughout the month, Evil Dead 2 and Army of Darkness. Evil Dead is one of the greatest success stories of an indie film Mm -hmm. with a bunch of no-budget filmmakers who didn't know what they were doing of all time. That they knocked out this little horror masterpiece, and then in the years to follow, that the Coen brothers were hanging out on set, and Bruce Campbell's become what Bruce Campbell is, and Sam Raimi's directing giant Marvel movies, and Rob Tappert's producing real big cult TV shows like Xena and Hercules and all this stuff. So it's and, the easy rider of horror. Yeah, yeah definitely. Changed everything. And it's just, and it's a bunch of like 20 year olds in the woods 
nearly killing themselves. Like all the stories are behind the scene of it was not an easy fun shoot. It was just sleeping in the woods and 14 hour days and blood and guts everywhere and exhaustion. And I remember when it came out. Oh, yeah. And when it came out, it came out, you know, mostly just on home video. Right. And video stores just became a thing. Not chain video stores, not Jumbo or Bandito or Rogers or Blockbuster. Before that, the little mom and pop video stores that were around. And every one of them had an Evil Dead poster up beside Terminator. Mm Mm-hmm. So when I was a kid, I would see the Terminator poster and that girl being choked out by the tree. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Every combo. And they were too, I was too afraid to rent either of those movies for a long, long time. But when I did, oh my God, my eyes loved it. I really sat down and took notice. That's a, uh, yeah. That's- <laughs> I can imagine, well, especially you. Like, I mean, I just, I always find it so uh, just inspiring to see something yeah. like that. No budget and just these dudes who want to make stuff with their friends. And it turns out to be this insane classic. And it's just like, that still packs a punch. So you can't really watch that. To make fun of it. I mean, you can, but it's just, I'm always like, man, how did they even pull this off? Like the I vibe. think the generations before Evil Dead, if you asked any filmmakers in, in Hollywood, why do you make movies? They'll say it because I, when I was young, I saw Citizen Kane. And a lot of them would tell you that. And then, and I think for a lot of people today, a lot of you know successful filmmakers would tell you about the first time they saw Evil Dead and what it meant to them. And Dawn of the Dead works kind of the yeah, same way too. definitely. But yeah, it's just a matter of a few artists getting together, picking up a movie camera and just pointing it in the right direction. Yeah. It's not about the money, it's about your creativity. And, yeah. and it is exciting to watch and thinking of it that way. And being friends with Argento definitely helped uh, with Dawn of the Dead as well. Oh, right. <laughs> it was kind of clutch. And Evil Dead's very... If you're of the age, that video store era is very telling because we all have that story of seeing certain horror movie posters in the Mon Pop yeah. video store mm-hmm. and being scared of it. Yeah. And then five, six, ten years later, finally seeing the movie. And I remember that for the stuff for, oh, yeah. for Evil Dead and for one of the Friday the 13th movies, part four, I think, which isn't even a real scary poster, but just as like a five-year-old, I had that sense of like, ooh, that's forbidden. Mm-hmm. And you think of that just that weird era versus the modern era, which like so clean blockbuster, you know? Yeah. But when video started, it all just had this grunge to it. And it was movies like evil dead. And we all have that. And we all got to rent movies when we were way too young to see them because they didn't care. They were like, give me the $2. There you go. When I was a kid, I loved looking at the movie section in the newspaper. Take the newspaper away from my dad, find the entertainment section, open up to the page where what's playing in cinemas. And I used to look at it every Friday and every Saturday. And I remember when the stuff was playing and I looked at the poster and I turned my head away from it. I am not going to go see that movie. It's... (laughs) It's scary to look at, and Fright Night was another one with that face in the yeah. clouds over oh, the house. Yeah. Like, there's no, you couldn't pay me to see this movie. <laughs> and I love both those movies oh, now. Sure. Yeah, but I did. I think maybe you know, like Evil Dead, it it was a thing before you saw it. Yes, and we all kind of came at it differently because for myself, just for whatever reason, there was no video store nearby that had the first one. So in oh. early high school, West Coast Video had Evil Dead Two. So my friends and I watched Evil Dead Two. A thousand times and decades later like recently we were joking about it and one of us went like we should have just pretended to lose the thing and paid the fee and that would have been way cheaper than (laughs) renting it every weekend so i watched evil ed 2 a million times then army of darkness came out fell madly in love with that but it wasn't until after seeing two and three that i saw one because it got a vhs re-release in this nice little limited edition clamshell and i'm a fool for limited edition (laughs) And whatever the number was, I got like 
956 of 10,000 or whatever. It's worth so much now. Yeah, it's collectible then, but 10,000 is a lot. Yeah, yeah I yeah. know. And that, that's a, someone point. I wish I could remember who pointed this out to me and that I'm an idiot. They just said the simple things of, no, everything is limited edition. If you buy a pair of Converse or a Star Wars action figure or a, you know, a limited edition Coke can, it's all limited edition. Things run out. I you think know. Of the Phantom Menace cans. That's what I was oh, thinking. Oh, yeah. Of. I, all I know you do. Right? You don't even <laughs> have to display, tell me that. I have a display case for it, too. <laughs> I have all displayed. I love those cans. I remember yeah. I still, when I go to South Keys, <laughs> South Keys, I can still picture in 1999 the two Pepsi machines that are outside. There was two big Pepsi machines selling all the Pepsi products, 7-Up, Mountain Dew, whatever. And one Pepsi machine was Anakin and his pod racer, and the other Pepsi machine with Sebulba in nice, this yeah. and they were like big images lit backlit and they were out there for over a year I don't yeah. know why I didn't get a pickup truck and just take them <laughs> off I wish I could have them Man. but your experience you had with Evil Dead was similar to what I had with Mad Max okay yeah. I saw Road Warrior first right it wasn't called Mad Max 2 it was just the Road Warrior we rent a VCR every day every birthday I would rent a VCR and Road Warrior was always something I took home and I think I saw I think I even saw Beyond Thunderdome before I saw Mad Max and watching Road Warrior so many times someone eventually said to me see all those black and white scenes at the beginning all that stuff's from a different movie I'm like oh, what? another one I can watch more and for a year it was so exciting well, I gotta find Mad Max and my mother finally found a video store on the other side of St. John's Newfoundland oh, man. that had Mad Max and we rented it and it was LP and I don't think I've ever put an LP cassette tape in my machine before and being a little disappointed because it wasn't this roller coaster ride of action that Road Warrior is but I still really like especially the finale is fantastic yeah. I, I love Mad Max, the first one to this day. But uh, yeah, I had this. When you were talking about Evil Dead, the way you watch Evil Dead, that was me with Mad Max. Part one came last. Yeah, and now it's great, but now you don't have those fun stories because everything's available, more or less. Like whether right. it's a streaming service or a fancy Blu ray company, it's hard not to find anything. And, and I love the stories of people older than us. There's a great story that it's one of the comedians I listened to, and he said when he was a kid, his favorite movies, Frankenstein. And every fall, it would be on PBS or something like that. Mm -hmm. But it was on on the weekend, and he played Little League. And so he had to pretend to be sick for one of the Little League games often because he didn't want to go play baseball. He wanted to stay home and watch Frankenstein. And he knew if he missed that, he had to wait another year to see Frankenstein. Whereas in the generations that follow, that kid could buy it on VHS or DVD or whatever. But there was really some sense of treasure of like, if you miss it this one time when it's at your local rep house or TV channel, you got to wait a year to see your favorite movie again. Whereas now I have all my favorite movies, you know, which is great. <laughs> yeah. But you just lose a little bit of that sense of treasure and wonder to it. There's a little, I, okay, so I'm, I'm good friends. I think we all know Nolan now. Mm. Oh, yeah. He's a 12-year-old, about to turn 13-year-old, who loves horror movies. And we're showing his new movie, 608, November 3rd and 4th, yeah. here at the Mayfair. So excited. Yeah. yeah it's gonna, I hope everyone, I hope people come. So anyway, Nolan, I, I get a sense of that from him. The films he's hungry to see are the films his parents don't want him to watch. Oh, right. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> we go on, I want her to walk today. I, I 
my dog and I go for a walk for an hour in the bush and he comes with us and we talk about horror movies. It's really fun. But he he did say, Lee, I saw a horror movie that I wanted to see and I, but you can't tell my parents. <laughs> so he watched Cannibal Holocaust. Oh my <laughs> God. <laughs> Hilarious stuff. You but know. he can't stop watching it because he's a musician and he loves playing the guitar and it's like he's like the Robert Rodriguez of Orleans because he plays the guitar and that's his passion first, filmmaking is second. He tells me, I can't get over how good the music is. Why is the music so good in that movie that I'm not, like, you know, the most notorious film ever made has yeah. this beautiful soundtrack. So that makes me think that there is maybe remnants of there are those movies out there for foo inspired filmmakers who yeah, the longing to find something and finally see it. Like that we had that you can't have anymore. I just realized that you are the Bella Lugosi to Johnny Depp's Ed Wood in his eventual biopic. Yeah, There's yeah. gonna be somebody playing you going for these dog walks and talking about cinema and having a screening at the Mayfair. That's him in like 20 years. I'm not, yeah. yeah, I'm not as cool as Bella Lugosi yet because I don't have a heroin addiction. No, as soon as I get, <laughs> since I start tapping that vein. There's still time. <laughs> Man, it's so funny. I, like, I, didn't, I was checking out some of Nolan's YouTube videos after I saw him the last time and I had no idea that he, he mentioned something about being into music, but I didn't realize how much. And so I had yeah. almost worn my CCR shirt but then I wore my Creature in Black Lagoon shirt. I was like, we're, we're doing a horror movie here. You know, got to yeah. got to represent. And then later that night, I was looking at his stuff and he did a cover of CCR. And I was like, I would have thought I was such a legend if I had that shirt. I would have had no idea. I let this 12-year-old down. I think I should watch what I say to him sometimes about certain filmmakers because he he just wrote a song with his brother oh, no. and he told me the lyrics. I won't say the lyrics to you on the radio. <laughs> Are we on a radio? But it's basically a, the radio. He wrote a song that parodies... Zack Snyder, Michael Bay, and Pierre David. <laughs> oh, man. I like this song. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. And I'd love to put it in my movie, but I think there's a level of slander involved. Possibly. It's like the like song's called Lee DeMarb Says. You're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, no, no. Take that out. But I love the kid inspired enough to, to write a song about the people who stand in her way about making good art. If you... Get me a clip of that, and I'll put 30 seconds of it at the end of this podcast. <laughs> the non-slanderous parts. Yeah. Oh, the lyrics are so good. The one with Pierre David, it's a, it's a, the Spider-Man theme song, parodying about how, you know. About, oh, about man. Pierre man. David. That's going to be amazing. We need to do a live score of one of his movies at some point. You know? Yeah. We'll get to oh, that point. He should perform it, because I don't think he should ever record it. Well, no. the, the initial trailer he or they provided for us, I went to put it on our website, and it got blocked because it was actually like an R-rated trailer on YouTube. So since there's another one, like a green band trailer. <laughs> yeah. But the first one was was like, I didn't even know you could do that on YouTube. I'm not on YouTube a lot, but that you can put on R-rated stuff, but then you got to like put in your ID to watch it or something. Yeah. Right. yeah. Well, and he was saying he had a few things banned because it had child violence because he's a child. And I was, I never <laughs> even thought of it. I was like, oh yeah, you and your friends are killing each other. And YouTube's like, yeah, you're underage and it's gore and stuff. I never even thought of that. He showed me a scene from his new movie and his father is kneeling in the middle of the woods and he's pulling the intestines out of his father's stomach and wrapping ah. around his dad's neck and choking oh him to death. It's really cool. Yeah, it's like Night of Living Dead 2021. Basically, it's like, geez. That's my favorite thing in the little, we wrote up a little press release and it was the, the story of how Lee met Nolan and all this stuff. And the last sentence is... His mother is very concerned. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's about, well, he's like where I was at when I was like 16, 17, 18, where I was just trying to find the most gory stuff. And yeah. I didn't really care. It wasn't about the story so much. And then at a point, like, I remember the exact moment I was watching Guinea Pig 1, I think it was, <laughs> which is literally 45 minutes. It's not even a movie. Yeah. It's just them dismembering this woman. And it's, it's fake, obviously. But that was the moment where I was like, 
this is nothing's happening here yeah. like it's just gore there's no story and so from that that's where i became more of an argento guy than a fulci guy you know so to speak i mean i always tell them that there's a difference between you know certain kinds of horror movies and art mm-hmm. <laughs> you know like you gotta you know the quality of filmmaking is paramount over just blood and guts and i yeah. think he's starting to re- realize that or i think he realizes that some of the titles, even the titles for his new movies. His mother is concerned by one thing specifically, that his new movie has a curb stomping scene. Oh. And his mom really doesn't want to have him have curb stomping. Hmm. And he tells me, Lee, I want curb stomping in this movie more than anything. <laughs> That's now. the name of the my, movie. <laughs> my mom doesn't want me to have it, so I have to have it. And I kind of want to tell her now, just to say you you love curb stomping. Yeah, 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 yeah. Best. <laughs> Reverse best. psychology. We were watching American History X. It's so funny. Yeah, that comes up a lot. Yeah, because it does. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, the, the good thing is, like, he knows it's all fake. And like, that's one yeah. of the things I like about him meeting you is, like, even if you didn't already know, you know, there's that appreciation for what's fake and how they did stuff, not just like, oh my God, this is real. It's like, how can I create that? Nolan was just one of many children who got their heads cut off in our new film, Enter the Drag Dragon. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so I brought footage from the movie to show someone else, family. Look, your head's coming off your kids <laughs> in our new film. And the father covered his kid's eyes, saying, oh, that's too dis- Don't look. And I thought, I respect that but sure. at the same time your kids were on set they know how fake it is yeah and the it looks bloody and, and but but it's also very cartoony yeah, yeah it's not a horror movie like it's horror elements but it's fun you know yeah. like it's not it's not guinea know. pig yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> like, you know that's my go-to <laughs> okay so before we go too long we'll wrap things up for the week we like just talk for 58 ever. minutes so yeah far, probably but a quick thank you to all of our lovely customers the last couple weeks because on top of all the normal COVID stuff, we've hit the vaccine verification thing uh, where people got to show ID to get in and it's gone as swimmingly as can be. Mm-hmm. No complaints. Everybody playing along with the game. Everybody helping out. So that's much appreciated. Uh, and then we announced new ticket prices coming up. And once again, it's just one of those things that you think might get some anger. And everybody's nice about it. Everybody gets it. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody's sending us those gifts of Fry from Futurama saying, take my money. It's, it's very nice. And we really appreciate that because we know these are tough times. But I think they get it that they're tough times for us too. So yeah, it's very rare that the prices go up. So yeah. I think it's fair. And they're not doubling or anything. Just no. a little bit. And considering the last two, the way I look at it is like, you want a theater to exist, period. So yeah. I think a couple <laughs> of bucks is worthwhile. Yeah. So yeah, so you can find upcoming information for new films at MayfairTheater.ca and on all the social media places. And we look forward to having you back in soon to watch some more cool movies at the Mayfair. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye. We can look into next week's week-long Faces of Death screenings. (laughs) (laughs) That'll get a good return. I have seen the dark shadows moving in the woods, and I have no doubt that whatever I have resurrected is sure to come calling for me. It was the woods themselves. They're alive. Evil Dead. They got up on the wrong side of the grave. Evil Dead from New Line Cinema. So frightening no one under 17 admitted.